I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Make some noise, Orange fans! It's time for the Juice Nation Podcast with Sean and Joe. Give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Juice Nation Podcast. What's up, Cuse Nation? Thanks for tuning in to the Cuse Nation Podcast with Sean and Joe. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, uh, and YouTube, and soon, iHeartRadio. So welcome to episode 14 of the Cuse Nation Podcast. We've got a um, Pittsburgh and Louisville post games and a look ahead at Georgia Tech and Duke. And what we need to do to solidify a spot in the NCAA tournament. Um, we'll get all that done in this episode. So welcome, Joe. What's up? What's going on? What's going on, Sean? Not a whole lot. Um, so, well, you know, it was a miserable couple of um, games, to be quite honest with you. And they they kind of mirror each other, too. A little bit. So um, yeah. before we get into that, though... Um, Fab Mello was found dead in his home in Brazil this week, which was kind of a shock. Seven foot, 244 pounder. Um, played for the Cuse for two years. We all remember Fab Mello. He was involved in the uh, some of the issues that we had with the, the, the sanctions and all that stuff. So Yeah. Um, he played 63 games, averaged just under five points at 4.9. Um, averaged about... Th- 3.84 rebounds a game. Um, you know, he was effective. The two years he played, he was pretty effective. Yeah, he was a beast player of the year. Defensive player of the year. Yeah, defensive. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, so you see the um, the Syracuse alum that had some bad words to say about that? About him being defensive player? No, about him. When he passed, it hit um, on Twitter – there was this big thing because there was someone that came out and said, you know, he was no saint and he was responsible for a 34 losses and da 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 and well, kind of made a little bit of a stink. But I mean, at the end of the day, someone's life is more important than sports. So yeah, there's no doubt about that. And and I mean, you can put aside, you can yeah. put that aside. Not that it's not that it's not true. It's that it's probably not the time to mention that right yeah no <laughs> okay i've i've had i've had uh i've had some harsh words for fab mellow too but you know the guy just died come on yeah, yeah we'll keep that respect. out of the eulogy <laughs> yeah exactly um 
A man arrested in, did you watch the Louisville-Miami game? Man arrested for running on the court, briefly no. entered Miami's huddle during Saturday's game against uh, Louisville. Um, he's ordered he must stay away from KFC Yum Center. And um, a dancer, he one of the ladybirds, he allegedly kicked uh, during the incident in which police say he threatened to kill everyone there. Randall Bolton, 31, was released on Monday on those conditions. He, he faces a hearing on Tuesday, so this has already been done. Faces hearing yesterday. Misdemeanor charges, including third-degree terrorist, f- terroristic threatening. Jeez. Yeah. What are they putting in that Yum Center food court, huh? I don't know. What is that, KFC? Is that- <laughs> <laughs> you want to change that up. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And uh, one more thing I saw this week I thought was cool. Uh, 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 LiAngelo Ball. Do you hear about this kid? High, uh, high schooler? Bro- brother of a player that plays over UCLA. UCLA, yeah, yeah. Um, he scored 92 points in one one game, in a, in a high school game. Yeah, I saw that. I'm pretty sure he's <laughs> a sophomore in high school. Yeah, yeah. Already, I think he's already verbaled to UCLA anyway. But Oh, for real? I was going to say, is he like the snow? His brother I mean, plays there, up? but you know, how, you know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. They're, he, they're from California, too. So Yeah, um, yeah. And, and they got another little brother. Maybe we have a shot at him. Who knows? But, yeah, 92 <sighs> points in one game. That's crazy. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. Pittsburgh, um, Syracuse versus Pittsburgh. Started, started hot. Came out, started, uh, came out with a 10-15, or a 15-10 lead early on. Um, then a four, 14 to three run by the Panthers gave them a 24, 18 lead. And then Syracuse opened the ha- the second half. They missed eight of nine, just completely cold. And then Pitt shot for the remainder of that half for the second half. They shot 58%. And, um, yeah. they killed us on the glass too, 41, 25. And we, yeah. and we only, with all that, we still only lost by five points. Um, yeah, that was uh, those were my takes. It was well, the three that I had was obviously the rebounding margin, it's too big. But um, also, I mean, basically, I looked at it rebounding. We only knew Cam John. I mean, some of those guys can shoot, but Cam Johnson's obviously their best three point shooter. He went six to eight from the three point line, and we just did not find him. Yeah, um, they played the defense that I expect them to play on the road. It's the defense they've played on the road this whole season, so why expect anything different? But also the other thing, man, like fumbleitis. Like it just seemed like, just seemed like you know we get a rebound, guy, and ball goes off a leg. You know we have a loose ball and it goes through Roberson's legs, and they they get the ball back. You know it was oh, one of those yeah. things where it the simplest thing of just like I think the announcer even said it once during the game, like the simplest thing of just. Passing and catching the ball, it just seemed they made it look difficult. Yeah, so. I mean, well, the the one to Leiden, I mean, you know, it went, it hit his hands, and he was like a receiver looking for the end zone or something. Right. And, um, you know, just simple mistakes. We only had 10 turnovers, but we created 17 turnovers. Yeah, and uh, another thing off that to go off that too was, uh, which I think covers Pittsburgh and Louisville, um, and like, I think both of them were because the play you were just talking about, I believe was, uh, or yes, it was, was that the, that was Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, Where Leiden, it went off of his hands yeah, that was and Pittsburgh. he couldn't, yeah. yeah, it was 74 to 70. We had a chance to make it within two points, maybe an and one, go to the free throw line with 50 seconds, went right off his hip. Like you said, he just looked to go to the basket before he caught the ball. He had it but, too. If he would have caught the ball, that would have been, he would have tied the game. 
brought, well brought it within one possession at least. Yeah, I think it was four point seventy four seven. I thought it was two, but still, uh, there was right. still like about a minute left. Yeah, it's but, just over um, a minute left. They still had a little bit of those problems in Louisville, not as much as Pitts as Pittsburgh as far as you know the fumble latest thing. But the other big takeaway is Battle being sick. He was one yeah, of our Battle. better players, yep. and he obviously was bad. I mean, I don't know if you heard the post game conference or uh, press conference, him talking the interview uh, after Pittsburgh, but he sounded awful. Uh, yeah, and, um, only played 16 minutes, three points. They let him rest. Yeah, and they and Howard they, stepped they, up for him a little bit. You know, Howard didn't he, do too bad stepping in. He really him. didn't. So I mean, he was the most impressive player as far as what I saw. I mean, I think Leiden, that Pittsburgh game, might have been Leiden's worst game I might have ever seen him play. I would have so. to agree with that. Um, six rebounds, uh, eight points. And, but it was uh, the mistakes, the little small things that yeah. he just never do does. Yeah, and he played so. the full forty. John Gillen you know, and Andrew White. Well, John Gillen played thirty nine. But we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed, leveraging over one hundred forty million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. We, you know, for that. Right, and like you said, I mean, you do have to throw in, I mean, but it's uh, Jamal Artis, and uh, Michael Young and Sheldon Jeter, those two uh, or those three guys for Pittsburgh. I mean, that's they're they're all seniors. It was our last go at Syracuse at home. You know, we beat them pretty good. You know, earlier in the in the season. It's so just hard to sweep. They wanted to, it's hard to they sweep to go out with a bang. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Those three seniors won playing Syracuse for the last time, maybe barring ACC tournament, and then that Cam Johnson guy still going 6-8 with, I mean, like you said, and still to be within it right there, I mean, I was actually kind of impressed at that fact that we weren't blown out by 15. I know, with both of the games, I thought both of the games were really played really similar, actually. Um, yeah. Uh, Three-point percentage for the entire game against Pitt was 30%, and it was just, it could it get any worse? Well, yes, it can. Because it, it was 24% against Louisville. 
eight for 33 from behind the arc at home is just you're just that's just not going to get it done. And what kills me is the game was close and they still almost won it in overtime. They yeah. still almost won. It should have never went to overtime. But um, finishing up Pitt, and we'll get right into um, we'll get right into Louisville. Um, well, I guess I mean that's really it. <laughs> yeah, that's that it. Was it. Yeah. So um, moving on to Louisville here, we mentioned the um, the the piss poor uh, three uh, three point percentage, and um, you know comparing that really, you know. Louisville wasn't all that great either, which they were, they only shot 30%, eight for 26. But the difference was, um, you know, just bad plays at the wrong time. The end of regulation, oh, yeah. at the end of reg- regulation, um, the way I see it, that game was, was over if Gillen isn't the one driving to the basket with 12 seconds left. That's just me. Yeah. I, yeah. I've talked about it all year. I mean, it's, it's, it's noticeable. He had one good game driving the lane against UVA, and he's always just fumbling the ball. I mean, he got swatted earlier in the game against Louisville. He got, he got swatted. It was a volleyball spike. <laughs> yeah, That's, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's that, got no business yeah. in there against well, that height. I think it's the way he attacks it. If he actually came to a jump stop, and and maybe did a little pump Faked. fake, get trying to get yeah. some physical, and because it looks like he's trying to 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 kind of shy away from the full contact and try to make the basket still. Yeah. If you were to come to a jump stop and say, "Oh, try to get him, up, try to get the defender up, and possibly you know get a pump fake on him and, and get to the line," then that's that's one thing. Or and then that if that's not there, then you can turn and you kick it out to maybe an open three pointer or somebody cutting. But he goes. Drives wildly, gets a little bit of contact, but at the end of the day, he's kind of fading away from it and falling away from it. It was an awkward. Stuck, it was getting stuck in the air, trying to make it still. Yeah, you yeah, know, it was it's totally awkward, man. I would just would not. That was the worst, in my opinion. Uh, by the way, twenty five thousand. They were expecting about twenty seven thousand. Got about twenty five thousand three hundred and three at the dome that day, that evening. Yeah. Um, it, it just looked awkward to me. The whole the whole thing was awkward, and I got to pacing. And when I get to Payson, it's never good. <laughs> eh, well, I, I'll tell you what. When Donovan Mitchell fouled out for them. That felt good, did, right? Going in overtime, going in overtime, I felt good about that. I felt really good. And, and I, I mean, you looked at it like Gillen. I look at it. Gillen, to me, that play, that's something that Beheim drew up to, to, to kick out to somebody. And if he wasn't there, he had to make the play. So that's kind of on, on Beheim. I look at more like the plays that Gillen made that were on him earlier in the season or earlier in the game. Like we got a couple of rebounds or we get a steal and he's, I think twice he tried lobbing up alley-oops to Tyler Roberson and they ended up being turnovers. Like you said, making bad plays. There was times where we could get it close. There was times where we, you know, it, and just getting points off turnovers at one point. I mean, we had like five straight turnovers and no points to show for it. So Gillen played 45 minutes. Four mm-hmm. rebounds, eleven points, and five turnovers. Yeah, we had three guys with forty-five. He did make some way. clutch plays, though. He made some clutch shots. So he did. Just, and, you know, I'm not hammering. I'm not hammering. I I like Gillen. I'm not hammering Gillen by any means. I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying, in my opinion, that play with the twelve seconds left in regulation, 
was probably the worst possible. That would be if I had a handful of plays to pick. That would be if if that one had to be in there. It'd be the last one. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm having anybody else drive the lane in that in that situation. Um, right. With 12 well, seconds left with the game on the line. And the problem is, is that they had they're just all over light and battle wasn't in the game. Andrew White played. I mean, you could to me. I mean, Andrew White probably played the most inconsistent than he's played. I'd, so yeah, I'd say. I mean, so. he, I mean, if you look at the amount of three pointers that he shot, what do you go like two for thirteen? I mean, he did some two for fourteen. Yeah, two for fourteen. I mean, that's yeah. he's not going to do that. And really I just bad. kept waiting for him to, you know, settle nope, down. He'll, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Yeah. I even had in the point in the back of my head, my dad was screaming like, "Why do they keep giving him the ball?" <laughs> like, and I'm just, <laughs> Dad, he's the best shooter, and he's going to eventually. The only way the jump shooter gets out of a a slump is to keep shooting. That's yeah. you. So it was just one of those things. I was going into overtime thinking like, yeah, well, he's going to win the game first in overtime. Because I felt that's good just, overtime. I did, and I did too. And then we had uh, Slim Shady over there from the other team show up and score his first five points of the yeah. ACC uh, too, oh, whatever that I, was all. Can I say something too about Sean McCullough? Uh, Sean, what the hell is his name? Sean. Broadcaster. McCullough? McCullough? Oh, um, I had to turn that guy down. Now I don't mute a broadcast on a basketball game, especially if it's home, because I like to hear the crowd. Sean McDonough, McDonough, McCullough, whatever the hell his name is. Yeah, McDonough, yeah. McDonough. Um, he was getting a he was getting so excited the whole game about. I mean, he was getting a little too excited for my liking. I, I'm just gonna put it that way. Okay. Yeah. I've had to turn that guy down before, and that's that's all I'm saying. You know, you're a broadcaster. Come on, c- contain yourself a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. you know, you got to be a little bit more professional in that, in my opinion. He was getting a little too excited. And when you mentioned, uh, what's his name there? What was that guy's name? Um, Levitch? Was it Levitch? Uh, who oh, are you McC- talking about? Oh, the, the guy oh, that Ryan, came in? Ryan, Ryan McCannon. Mc- McMahon. McMahon, yeah. McMahon, yeah. yeah. McMahon, something like that. Yeah, yeah he got he a doesn't... little excited about that guy. He was loving it. So. Oh, yeah. Considering how deep they went, the guys they had and the guys that fouled out, I mean, we definitely played really, really good defense. Obviously, Louisville's just been in the top ten. I mean, they teams, I mean, not teams, people in the country, I mean, even rank like the rankings and numbers, they tell you that Louisville's right up there as far as the best defense in the country. So, I mean, we definitely came out and we definitely played, and it's just unfortunate that we couldn't get it because you know – the way that the bubble's looking now, this year, compared to other years, that that game might have done it. That that Barring. game would have that game would have put us in. That's why it was so heartbreaking. Um, you know, let's listen to what coach had to say, and then we'll listen to players. Both uh, some quick audio here. Right. I thought we played as hard as we've ever played. It was an unbelievable battle back in it to get in it both times. We should have been out both times, and they just didn't give up. They kept coming back in the overtime. You're down as many as we were. It's almost impossible, and we did an unbelievable job fighting back. And uh, I thought John got to the basket a couple times, but you know that's that's just the way it goes on some of these games. But you know, for the for the entire game, we got some shots we wanted. We just weren't making shots that we've been making but it was an unbelievable effort to get back in it and he's absolutely right there's no doubt about it we came back from um to to make it at least a close game 13 against Pitt and came back our largest deficit against Louisville was 14 points and sent it into overtime 
And that's just how those games go with um, Louisville. Our all-time record against Louisville. Any idea, Joe? Uh, I'm going to guess it's no bueno. <laughs> it's <yeah>, exactly. 8-17 <laughs> versus Louisville. Yeah. All-time. And um, did you know, here's a quick fact about Louisville. Legend has it that the University of Louisville Cardinals basketball team originated the high five during a practice in 1978-79. And before that, high fives, not on highlight reels, but that year high, high fives can be seen during the highlight reels from their games that, of, of those, if that season. I thought that was pretty interesting. I had no, how long does it take to figure out a high five? Nineteen seventy. That's what I mean. <laughs> I mean come on. That's just, it just took that long to patent it? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, I thought that was Trademark. interesting. But yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, Louisville's had our number. And Patino, I mean, he's just killing us. Let's, let's just be honest. And he's, he scares me. The whole team scares me. I mean, you know, they went 10 deep, too, during the yeah. game against us. So, I mean... You know, with everybody with at least five minutes. So, um, you know, he's always been able to he's always been able to recruit. And he used to be an assistant for Jim Beheim. So, yeah, I mean, they used to be roommates or something, too, at some point. Yes. Yeah, I don't I don't know. There's I think there's a story out there like he went out. I think Beheim drove to like his I don't know, his wedding or his wedding night. Yeah, he crashed his crashed his wedding reception. Yeah, yeah. Told yeah. him he told him he couldn't go on his honeymoon if he took the job or something like that. Y- yeah, yeah. Basically, yep. Hey, so, look at him now. Now he's kicking our ass. I know, and he is too. He's killing it. Um, um. I got some audio real quick from the players in the locker room, and this, you know, this explains it for me. This is why I cut this audio is because this was my feelings exactly about the game. Oh, we just didn't execute down the stretch. Um, couldn't get, just couldn't get over the hump. They had a really good team. They made plays when they needed to, and we just had little lapses in the game where we just didn't execute and do what we need to do. When you look back on it, did it feel the best chance maybe have been that last possession of regulation? Um, yeah, so much happened. I can't even remember the last play of regulation, but down the stretch we had this a lot white, of opportunities to kind of put ourselves yeah. in a position to win all the way up through overtime, and um, it's just on us to make better plays, uh, make smarter decisions, and be wiser so we can come out with wins. Tough one tonight, John. What do you think it came down to? And it was a wild game to watch. Um, we just didn't make enough plays at the end, and uh, I turned the ball over too much. When you take the final possession of regulation, you, you had a, a chance toward the basket. Did that feel like it? you thought you were going in to win the game at that point? Yeah, I knew I was going to. I felt at that point I was going to win the game. And I mean, it just didn't roll my way. No, it didn't. Um, you know, obviously devastated. Obviously knew he had the opportunity and it was all on his shoulders. And good for him for, um, you know, acknowledging that because that's, in my opinion, what happened. So, um, yeah. And, and you can look too. there was there was a couple opportunities. I mean, Louisville was was not making their foul shots at the end of that game. And no. and there was a golden opportunity to get back in it. And we had a couple empty trips um, in overtime. And, you know, when you see two two empty trips in a row after missing foul shots and stuff, and then it's just, you, you know, it sinks in, <laughs> you know, before the final buzzer, it sinks in. So. Yeah, I don't know. And I guess a team depressing. like that with their, with their defense, if you get a turnover or a rebound, and you know you stop them in a possession, or you get a turnover, 
you can't there's too many times where we did that and then turned around and didn't even get a shot off on the other end because of another mistake you know you can't make those mistakes against a team like louisville like i said yeah. a couple of those john gillen ones and i mean we had fast break opportunities or at least a chance to go down and and, and get an open shot and work for it and they just got just got thrown away without even a shot attempt so yeah and i think kind of white threw up a really long three unnecessarily long three too and yeah in overtime yeah yeah, so I mean, there was there's a couple things that obviously, you know, you clean it up. That's really all it comes down to. They clean it up. They pass and catch and make the right plays instead of, you know, sometimes being overconfident can, can cause like um, sloppiness and chaos in some yeah. people. You know, and yeah. John Gillen, he's been a confident player, and you could see it. And he's just trying to make a play against Louisville because they were making plays. And it's fast break. Let's get a dunk. Let's get the crowd hyped. Yeah. Next thing you know gets thrown out of bounds and that's the type of stuff that we just you can't make those mistakes and miss especially when we're shooting the way that we're shooting the past couple of days you know and we don't have Tyus Battle who's probably proven to be our best um penetrating guard yeah. to get to the to get to the hole and drive so 10 10 points you know. off of 15 turnovers um is a missed yeah, opportunity in my opinion yeah so those two games real similar i mean and they, even the stats are similar so um and, and just missed opportunities in the Louisville game. Um, like you said, we should have won that game. But uh, put it behind us. We've got... Um, got to. We, we, yeah, we've got to put it behind us. Uh, Jerry Palm from CBS Sports saying, um, Syracuse is in the first four, first four field in Daytona as a number 11 scene uh, facing old Biggie's foe Providence in the West region. While um, Lenardi... Uh, ESPN bracketologist um, latest prediction places Syracuse in the Midwest region region as an 11 seed facing number six uh, SMU in Salt Lake City. Yeah. Um, Lenardi also remarked on Twitter that um, two more wins ought to be enough to get Syracuse into the NCAA tournament field, given how weak the bubble is this year. So let's talk about the bubble. The bubble. And we've got Georgia Tech coming up. Uh, yeah. We will be in Georgia Tech, and then we have Duke at home. And um, I believe a three-game losing streak is is hard to imagine at this juncture with how um, Syracuse has taken the cardiac cues to a whole new level here late in the season. Um, you know, <laughs> I I've said I, I don't know if we I've said this on the air, but Joe, I told you I think we can beat. Duke at home. Now, oh, that's, this past game was the last game or the only game we've lost at home against Louisville, and you can argue that we probably should have won. So it is our own fault. Yeah, nothing, we, we, nothing we, Louisville did, but I, I, yeah, I mean Duke. Yeah, we can. They got some shoot. They got shooters and stuff like that. But you know, I didn't think that we had a chance against Florida State or Virginia at home, or even Louisville. And I mean, it's just proven that we play better at home, no doubt about it. So. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you one one game we can't lose is Georgia Tech at home. Yeah, Georgia Tech at home. That will be our last game. Last game of the season. Yeah. So yeah. going mean, to Georgia Tech though. Um, next, did you know during the Civil War the surrender of Atlanta took place where Georgia Tech is currently located? Do you know that? No, huh? I didn't. <laughs> did you know? Here's a football stat for you: the uh, the record-setting onslaught was coached by John Heisman. 
There was not a single pass thrown by Georgia Tech, but there were 32 rushing touchdowns. Tech scored what? on every single drive. They beat Cumberland College 222 to zero in 1916. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> what a freaking pounding! Georgia um, Tech. Georgia Tech hasn't changed their offense since. <laughs> oh yeah, always rushing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Georgia Tech away the 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 hardest scenario in, in my opinion so so let's 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 take Joe Lenardi's um, prediction say we get if we can get two out of these last four games we're in okay right the hardest two in my opinion um, that are possible would be uh, a Georgia Tech sweep okay I just don't know being a road game I don't know so the last game of the season. And the Duke game, our two home games, are our best shot. Because going to Louisville after we play Duke is going to be um, it's going to be hostile territory there in Louisville. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, what do you, you see? Watch out, watch out for the streakers. What do you um, What do you think over the course of the next four games? I know we're really only looking to head it too, but to put this into perspective, as far as the tournament goes, what do you see? I mean, Pittsburgh was a was a big one. I. I I think Louisville would have got us in, but Pittsburgh would just would have kept us status quo where we needed to be. Yeah, um, I agree. And I mean, I, I went through and looked at a lot of the teams around this time. I start going through, looking at the standings of all the conferences, and kind of seeing, you know, what there's some mid-major teams that stand out. Uh, what the teams, uh, the conferences that usually get multiple bids, what they're what they're looking like and stuff like that. And going through it today. I know that a lot of times when they talk about bubble watch and resume, they talk about, you know, um, your road wins and who you beat and this, this and that. And yeah, we might not be that good on the road, but at the same time, like I said, it's the beauty of college basketball. You can get better. And there's humans in the room that, that pick the teams at the end of the day. So, you know, people want to, people want to say, you know, oh, well, do you think that SU getting a 10 seed and then going to the Final Four last year, you think that's going to help them? And they're like, oh, no, it's a totally different year. But at the end of the day, is it really not going to affect the people that in their mind just remember that last year? Just like all the other games. You know, when we're growing as a team, we have four new teams, uh, four new people in our starting five, and we got games either on the road or neutral court against old rivals like St. John's and Georgetown and UConn. None of those three teams look like they're going to make the tournament, but at the specific times that we played them with the team that we had, I mean, we've significantly grew. And yeah. I mean, anybody, anybody who's watched Syracuse, whether you like them or not, knows that. I mean, I talked to your brother about it, and we talk unbiasedly, and he's noticed, and he says that he thinks that we're a tournament team. But sometimes you do so bad that, like early in the season, that it kind of ruins your chances. So you got to do really well. well. Yeah, you got to you got to definitely you got you you have to make up for bad losses. St. John's, right? Um, and I've I've, well, I've seen a lot of uh, yeah, and I've seen a lot of uh, in Boston other conferences. I've, yeah, well, Boston, yeah, but in other conferences, I've seen I've I went through and kind of looked to see how many you know teams have uh, the same kind of conference uh, record that we do. Because I look at it like probably the same way that Lenardi. If you go ten and eight in the ACC or what the ACC is this this year compared to the other conferences, 
then how can a similar team, like I looked at the Big 12. Yeah, how can a 10 and 8 team from the Big 12 get a bid over SU being 10 and 12? That's what you're saying. But I'm not, I'm not even, like Big 12, they got four teams in there from TCU to Kansas State to Oklahoma State. And I think there's another one that are either 16 and 9 or 17 and 8 or 17 and 9 is their overall record. Right. But their their conference record is 6 and 6, 5 and 7 in a top-heavy I mean, realistically, the only good teams in the Big 12 that I've seen is Kansas, Baylor, and West Virginia. Right. West so you have Virginia, all, yeah. you know, the Texases and the Oklahomas, they're way down there. They're way down this year. So it doesn't look like that big, like that competitive of a league. And yet, Lenardi's got majority, Lenardi's got seven teams in from the Big 12. I looked at it, I only saw four, but that was just looking at, you know, the conference record. So I look at it like if, if there's a similar record with these other bubble teams, who are you going to take? When he, your eyes saw SU go ten and eight in an ACC conference, it's clearly the best conference. Oh, it's compared, absolutely the best conference. There's no question you know what about I mean? that. There was compared a couple. A, there was a, a Kansas couple, State that's five and seven right now. I mean, it's just yeah. But they're seventeen and nine, so it looks pretty. I mean, people always have this misconception that you need to have you need to have all these road wins, or you need to have you know you you need to be ranked, or you need to have twenty wins to make the tournament. Every year it's different. Every year teams some conferences are are down and, and just let's beat. not forget too we, i mean this is all based on you know with with nothing we've seen from an, from a conference tournament yet too i mean we still have Which, a conference tournament. a lot of that time a lot of the times that's really what it comes down to with conference tournament last 10 games i mean a lot of what it's just like the the um the committee and uh like rankings realistically they don't even matter if you look at um, the way that they do it in college football with the Final Four, they always try to get the best teams. They don't go by their rankings. They don't go by who won their conference, although in this situation, if you win your conference, you're in. But they're trying to get the best teams out there. And when it, when it comes down to them, you know, SU possibly being next to a mid-major team or a team that didn't even go 500 in the Big 12, is that St. John's game really going to matter? That right. was two and a half months ago. I, I don't. I don't think it should. But you you hear about it. You know what I mean. It just lingers. Well, so, it'll be there. It'll be under bad it, loss. Boom. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So you know, there was a couple games last night in the ACC that we could have like would have been great to go our way. Um, I believe. Well, we needed we needed Virginia Tech to lose, and they almost did. Uh, that would have helped us out. That would have put us yeah. a game ahead of them. We're seventh. North Carolina, Florida State, Louisville, Duke, Virginia, Notre Dame, and Syracuse. So, yeah. and those that, that top, the top five, are wait, hold on, uh, wait, is Florida State ranked? Yes. All right, so they're the top six are ranked then because yeah, Notre, Notre Dame's Dame back jumped. at twenty five. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, um, yeah, the yeah, top six are ranked, and then it's unranked Syracuse. Yeah. So Virginia Tech's right there, but they did get a blow there uh, against Virginia. Chris Clark, that uh, real uh, was he like small forward, power forward uh, with the guy with the long dreads. He tore his ACL. He's out for the season. So they did manage to come back and beat Pittsburgh last night, but they definitely took a little bit of a hit the other night when they had beat Virginia. So it's unfortunate, but they'll still probably make the tournament. Yeah, um, and we got Duke, Virginia tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got NC State, hopefully. Well, it doesn't matter, really. That one doesn't matter, but Miami, Georgia Tech. That's all, 
That's all pride, man. Yeah, it's all pride. Yeah, it's uh, North Carolina beating NC State by fifty-one last time. Yeah, exactly. You show up exactly. <laughs> the big game tonight, though, is Duke Virginia, and it's not going to have a, a real big. It's not going to have a real big impact on us. Nope. Um, I guess you know they're both eight and four, so in conference play, so that doesn't really affect us too much. Either one of them win, it helps us by a game, I guess, but. I mean, yeah. we still got to win. <laughs> Syracuse needs well, to win games. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, you can't yeah. play the. You can't play the. I need so and so to lose BS because they need to win. Yeah, so. and I think Lenardi looks at it as they need two more wins in the regular season, and he looks at it as okay. So, what if it's Georgia Tech twice? Then we still, you know, we're right there. We get another win. I, I, not really. I think you get Georgia Tech. If we if we go Georgia Tech twice, lose against, lose against Louisville and Duke. I I think we should be able to get in with that. Oh well, that's the whole thing is you really don't get you don't get penalized that much by losing to a Duke or a Louisville. You know what I mean? Right, so yeah. even if we win those two, then you still go ten and eight in the Big East and or sorry ACC <laughs> and um <laughs> and. Uh, and then you're still looking at, you know, I don't want to say an easy first round, but a possible, possible good matchup to you get think a win in seed. the ACC. You think 11 seed regardless? I mean, I don't think 11 seed because, like you said, it does. I mean, still got to play the games. What happens if they go on another five five game run? Oh yeah, no, totally. Know? And I mean, it depends on what if they. I mean, what if they make it? Let's say they make it to the to the uh, final four in the conference championship. Well, that's the other thing too, you know, is that uh, ACC tournaments in Brooklyn this year. So that'll help out. Should help out, right? Yeah. I mean, you'd think. No, it definitely but, will. It definitely will with crowd noise. They they got to actually be there, though. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they'll be there, but it's just getting there. I mean, I don't think we're going to be a top four seed and get a double bye, but got to try no. to fight to stay stay in that top eight to Nobody's at least so, get one bye. It's so close, you still can though. It's so close mathematically right. we can. Right. Mathematically, yeah. we could take the whole thing mathematically. Well, mathematically, <laughs> we can win the next four games and we'd be close to a top 25 team and we're not even talking about this. Exactly, exactly. All we are but, is reacting to what happened, right? That's the world of sports. Yeah, exactly. No one wants to wait. We just got to talk about it now and react. So, The top 12 in the ACC range from 9-3 and three to 4-9. and nine. So... I mean, you know, nine and three, nine and four, nine and four, eight and four, eight and four, nine and five, eight and six, seven, six, six and six, six and six, six and eight, four and nine. I mean, that's tight. Yeah, that's tight. Well, but and I was watching, I was watching that uh, Pittsburgh Virginia Tech game last night, and the guy announcer, the guy, the announcer there, he said that um, with the ACC as strong as it is, he, he said if you go five hundred or above in that in that conference, then there's no reason why you shouldn't be in the tournament. Yeah, without a so, doubt, I know. I know it's so it's so there's so many little nitpicky things that, and everybody's got to put their two cents in like you and I oh, yeah. and yeah. Um, no. you know <laughs> but hey so um what let let's say uh all right we go to Georgia Tech okay um that's our next game that's Sunday right yeah Sunday at 6:30 okay which is just a weird random yeah that is weird but at least there's something some sports on Sunday I will say that so <laughs> Um, yeah. So, so we go to we go to Georgia Tech, you know. What do we need to look for in Georgia Tech? It's our first time playing them this year. Yeah, I don't. To be perfectly honest with you, I don't really know too much about them. I mean, I know they got uh, Josh Heath guard, 
Ben Lammers and this Josh Okogi. I don't even know how to say his name. Um, Josh Okogi and Ben Lammers are pretty much their their best um, their best players. But I guess I mean they, you know they got that new coach there, the old coach from uh, Memphis, Josh Pastner. Yeah. This past year, and I guess when he took the job, yeah, I don't know if it's the athletic director who he he told him, you know, we're gonna be patient, let you build your build what you what you need to do, but um, he said I I wouldn't expect to win a game in the ACC, and yet here they are, <laughs> right in the thick of things, which might say a lot about Passner as a coach. Yeah, six and six they stand. Yeah, fifteen and ten, and that's a big game tonight with, with Miami. So yeah, it is a big game. They're 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 almost identical. Well, they are. They're both six and six, but their overall records are um, a little bit different. Yeah, fifteen and ten. Yeah, the, so, Miami's played a few more games. Is all. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I mean, really it's not a team I'm afraid to. of. No, I'm not afraid of them either. But it is an away game. It's a road game. Um, but Duke now Duke comes into the loud house let's make sure we keep it that way because i know i know that they'll be probably pushing thirty thousand in that game and Mm -hmm. um i expect it to be deafening loud and that's going to be key in motivating those players for that game and that would be a absolute key win that would be so great if we could pull that out so well that's what i mean i'd like to see that's why i would like to see them take georgia tech i mean i know georgia tech they've been playing I don't know. Maybe just it's the whole underdog role because maybe Josh Pastner took with what the athletic director said and, and ran with it and used it as motivation. So we just got to hope that uh, I keep saying hope like it's going to happen. But at this point, I mean, on the <laughs> on the road, this defense, it's I don't tough. know. Yeah. I don't know. We just got to play motivated. It would be nice to get a win on Sunday to know that if we go in on Wednesday to the Dome and beat Duke. But that right there pretty much should seal it up. I mean, shit. Donati said, too, let's just knock two out of the way. You know, yeah, I just think basically. my chances, our chances at Duke on Wednesday, I think rely very heavily on four on and sun, five on Sunday. Four and five against Duke all time. Yeah, we haven't played them much at all, no, especially since uh, Beheim and uh, Shashevsky have been coaches. Did, real, so. real quick, this is an amazing stat I saw during the Duke UNC game. Did you see it? Uh, no. 40, 48 and 48, and they scored the exact same amount of points going into that game the other night. Really? Yeah, they were 48 and 48, and they both scored the exact same amount of points going into that game. That's, that's an amazing stat. Yeah. It was like that's 7, why it's one of the best points. rivalries. Oh, it is. I would say it's arguably the best. And with that said, they're coming into the Dome on Wednesday, and... Uh, you can bet if we beat Duke that um, they'll be rushing the court. And did you know that um, there's no court rushing allowed at Duke? Although Duke students um, all know not to rush the court unless the win is a national championship, basically. They, they do get to celebrate a win over rival UNC another way when Duke students gather around the main quad and burn campus benches in a huge bonfire. So, what? So, sounds like someone, I think, that's destruction of property, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so. I guess. They beat North Carolina, so no one can sit down anymore. Yeah, but if, if Syracuse beats Duke at home on Wednesday, you, that'll be the third court rush 
uh, of the year for Syracuse. That'll be a huge win. And uh, with, you know, I just hope they can shut down Grayson Allen. If they, if, I mean, you know, you still got, what's his name there? But um, shutting Grayson Allen down would be, uh, you know, that would be a win for me. Not yeah. that they can't. Not that they can't win if you shut Grayson Allen down. But if you, fr- he's easily frustrated, and what they need to do is frustrate him. And, oh boy! And throw him off his game. Yeah, frustrate him and practice the hurdles this week. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you know what's coming after a bad play. Yeah, right. Uh, it, you know, and it 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 comes down to fixing the mistakes from the last two games. In my opinion, taking care of the ball is huge. Everything else, and and getting a little better behind the arc. Taking care of the ball and shot selection uh, will be key in in beating Duke. And, um, you know, it sounds simple when you sit behind a microphone and you say it, but, you know, these guys are professionals. They should, should, you know, be able to, you know, flip a switch and get into Cuse mode. Hashtag Cuse mode. (laughs) Yeah, well, hashtag (laughs) Cuse. I mean, they do, though. They fight. They never give up. They fought. I mean, they fought. I mean, it's much. You sometimes some games you want to blame the defense and then they come home and then they play good defense and then there's something else. I mean, you hit you hit it with the fact that the team, that's just how it is, but they're not shooting their average the past couple games. They're not just doing the simple things like being able to just catch and pass and catch balls. Yeah. You know, stupid and, stuff. elementary and, things. And at the same time, too, the last two games we've missed a guy that I'm for the most for the bigger part of the year, especially in the early ACC, has been was playing 40 minutes a game. So I mean, when we have the bench that we have and battle not being out there, who knows? I mean, realistically, that could have been the last two games, and we didn't even know it. Battle goes out and plays 35, 40, 40 minutes like he normally does. Who knows if we even win those games? So. No, that's true. And even against um, Louisville, what he what he played 26 minutes. So. You're right. You yeah, know. Well, that, that wasn't even, and it wasn't, it no. wasn't a good 26. It didn't no, seem like 26 it, minutes. It felt to like me, five minutes. That. So what's that? It felt like five minutes. He didn't do anything. Well, he they, he was trying to push through it in the, in the first half. You could see in the second half. I think he came. He got subbed out. First time he got subbed out. I don't think he went back in. Howard played a majority of the rest of the second half. Yeah, and so we just, like you, like we've said before, like you've said, we just don't have the the depth. Just isn't there, and it's not going to be there for the rest of the year. If it, no. you know, and like Jimmy B said, like Coach said, if, you know, it's it's not just going to all of a sudden turn around. So what you see is what you get, and all we yeah. all we can do is sit here and say, take care of the ball, better shot selection. I think I think eliminating turnovers is is a you know empty yeah. empty in boards. Yeah, I think a couple of the biggest things we know we know when they come at home, they get the inspiration to play D tough D. Um, I think when it comes to Duke, the biggest guy, obviously they have the players that can shoot the three, but I think the biggest guy is Emil Jefferson. Oh, really? I think the, the two biggest factors is Emil Jefferson and what our confidence is going to be, whether we win or lose at Georgia Tech. Yeah, no, three, um, three losses in a row will crush us. But it could give us motivation, though, too. But well, yes, it could be worked. As, and, and I mean, it's, all, it's not that hard for a home team to get up to play Duke. But when it comes to Emil Jefferson, he's gonna. They have some, some uh, lower, like freshman sophomore guys that are down low, and obviously we know Kennard and and, uh, and Matt Jones and uh, Grayson Allen. Those guys can shoot threes, and they're 
they've been up there. So they're going to be okay. So, but it all depends. Emil Jefferson is going to be the guy at the free throw line, making the passes, passing it back out the three point line. And, uh, I think it has a lot to do with just, I think he's going to be the biggest factor, our confidence and Emil Jefferson is going to be the biggest factor in that game. And that's of course, just my opinion. You don't need to agree, but no, no, <laughs> no well, I, I mean, they've got so many good players. It's like pick one. They yeah. got the, with their shooters and stuff. So, um, I guess, you know, we'll just have to wait and see, you know, good luck for these next two games. Um, you have anything else to add, Joe? Yeah, no. Um, I guess we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll be back with another episode, um, next week. It'll be after, obviously, since we talked Duke, it'll be after the Duke game, um, and possibly Thursday or something like that. So, um, that's it. Uh, yes, sir. All right, cool. Uh, Remember to give us a like on Facebook if you haven't already at Facebook.com forward slash Cuse Nation podcast. For Joe, I am Sean. We are out. Till next time. Later. Peace. You just heard the Cuse Nation podcast with Sean and Joe.